You're listening to the Sojourner Podcast, a podcast from Sojourner Church in Concord, North Carolina. If you'd like a little bit more information about Sojourner, visit www.sojourner.church. All right, my friends, let's go ahead and dive into this week's message. So I want to I make a very clear statement to us today when we talk about this idea of parenting. And this may rub just a little bit, but I want you to understand where I'm coming from. The goal of parenting, okay? As a parent, what should be the goal of you raising a child in 2019? And I want to say this to us. And I, and I think that maybe you might throw some uh, tomatoes at me at first, but just hear me out. The goal of parenting in 2019 should not be to raise a good kid. Now, I realize that when we think about parenting, most of us, we want to raise good children. I get that. But the goal of parenting in 2019 and also A.D. 33 should not be to raise a good kid. Hear me. Look here. The goal of parenting is to raise a kid who knows a good God. Can I get an amen? Amen. Thank you. I love Lawan. I need more Lawans. Can I get an amen? The goal should not be to raise a good kid. The goal should be to raise kids who know a good God. Because hear me, if you raise children who know a good God, guess what they will be? Good kids. Guess what happens when you raise somebody to just be moral? They miss out on so much. So the goal in 2019 should not be to raise simply a good kid. But the goal of us parents should be to raise kids who know a good God. So when we dig into chapter 6, we're looking at four verses. And Paul says this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Because this is right. And all the parents said? Now realize you're all children. Ooh, my drop. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. So in the commandments in Exodus, it says... To honor your father and mother, and when you do this, you will inherit the land. It was the first commandment that was attached with a promise. Verse 3. So that it may go well with you, and that you may have a long life in the land. Fathers, do not stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. And here's where I want to take us. If, if any of you guys wear glasses and you wake up in the morning and you can't see anything like me, you have to first look for your glasses so that you can figure out what time it is, who's texted you earlier that day, and what else has gone on since whatever time you went to sleep. You need a, a filter or you need a, a lens. And so I want to help us to apply the scripture with a filter and with a lens. And I want to go all the way back to chapter 5, verse 21. This is the really cool thing about going through a book of the Bible is that you get to see context. And so when we read this scripture, we have to read it in context. And the context of the scripture comes from chapter 5, verse 21, when Paul looks at this church and he says, we should be submissive to one another through the fear of Christ. That we should be submissive to one another through the fear of Christ. Everybody hates that word submissive, and when we think about being afraid of God, that strikes us weird. Remember that the fear of God means to come into God's presence with awe and with wonder, with humility, and with responsibility. 
So when we are submissive to one another in the fear of God, it's in the respect of God, it's in the awe of God, and it's also in the humility of who God has made me, a child of himself, and I am to be submissive to one another. And there's three specific roles that Paul talks about when we dig through Ephesians 5 and chapter 6. The first one he talks about is marriage. The second one that he talks about is parenting, to raise children. And the third one that he talks about is being a boss or being an employee. Now, he refers to slavery here because that was something that they were going through. But we can view that through the lens of employment, bosses, and employees also in 2019. But today, what I want to talk about is what does it mean to be mutually submissive as a parent and as a child? That word mutually submissive or the word submissive is a strange word. What does that word mean? It means to be in a symbiotic relationship. Raise your head like this. Just do like this because I want you guys with me. Hey, my friend Calvin told me to do this. I'm going to ask you guys to do this. I want you guys to lean forward. Like get off the chairs of your backs. Lean forward like you're expecting God to say something to you because you pay attention. You start leaning forward. You start engaging a little bit more. So when we think about this word mutually submissive, we think about this idea of being subject to, to be in a symbiotic relationship that is mutually beneficial to be in a relationship with a husband and a wife. It's mutually beneficial to be a parent and to be a child. It's mutually beneficial to be in an employment and employer situation. But what does it mean specifically? It means that as a parent, I am and I have a role. And as a child, I have a role. But what are those roles? And it's funny because each of those roles are exactly the same in a parenting relationship, in a marriage relationship, and also in a boss-employer-employee relationship. As a parent, I am to be mutually submissive to the needs of my child. Does any parent have any problem with that whatsoever? Does any parent have any issues with saying that I need to provide for the needs of my child? Right? Nobody? In the same way, think about this. As an employer, I need to be mutually submissive to the employee to respond and give them to the needs that that employee needs. Does that make sense? In the same way, as a husband, I need to make sure that I am giving what my wife needs. All three relationships are mutually submissive in that way, to give to the needs. But also the child is also to be mutually submissive to the authority of the parent. And so... When it refers to this idea of being mutually submissive, to be subject to, parents are subject to the needs of the children. But what does that mean? What does it mean to be mutually submissive to the needs of our children? I believe it is through three different areas. It's in the physical needs of our children. It's in the emotional needs of our children. And it's also in the spiritual needs of our children. And I just want to address real quick the, the, I think when you think about the physical needs of our kids, what do our kids need from us on an everyday basis? And I've got this one phrase being present. I want you to think about that phrase. But when I think about this idea of being present, I think about being present in my intention, in my affection in my time, and also I had one more word, if I can go back to my notes real quick, in my actions, being present with my time, being present with my affection, being uh, present with my attention and, and my actions. Does any parent not want to give 
what your child needs. Every parent in here wants to give their children exactly what they need. And sometimes we want to give our children exactly what we want. But think about sometimes what we trade for that. We trade our time. Think about that. You have to go to work. You have to earn money. And so you give away your time. When I look at children, that's what they need the most. And not only do they need our time, but they need our present time. And parents, what is the biggest thing that takes away our attention when we're actually present with our children? Who said it? It's our cell phone. Because you can be present and not be present. Can you or can you not? This is the biggest war that I fight with this 10-year-old and with that 8-year-old is when we're sitting around the couch and there's literally five screens out. There's a TV playing, there's two iPads, and there's two iPhones all going at the same time. We are present, but we at the same time are not present. And I remember, and I, I want to speak to the dads here. Betsy and I went to a marriage conference, and they separated the men, and they separated the women. And I remember the, the, the guy speaking to the fathers, and he said this. If you have small children, do I have any parents with small children? He said, dads get in the floor get in the floor because we're tall we're big and our kids they look at us and we're their superheroes and when we get on their level what happens is something altogether different we enter into their world and when I think about this idea of being present guys the kids need our time they need our attention they need our affection. And what they need the most, parents here, is for us to enter into their world. And sometimes, if we're honest, what happens is, is we look at our world and there's so much going on. Now listen, I'm speaking out of guilt here. Can I get a witness? I'm speaking out of stuff that I am learning and need to continue to learn on. That there are things that are going on in my child's world that I think that might be childish. Because I have to deal with bills and I have to deal with church and I have to deal with all the big grown up people stuff. But in no way, shape, form or fashion does that diminish what that little girl is going through on a day in and day out basis. And what she needs more from me when it comes to physical needs is my time. Not only my time, but in my time to be looking at her eye to eye and engaging with her and not scream while she talks. That's the biggest advice that I can give all of us. Our kids need our present time. They need our affection. Every kid's different. Can I get an amen? Anybody who has two kids, they can see that one's like this and one's like that. Can I get a witness? One is like the, the huggy, kissy one, and the one's the, the independent, don't touch me kind of kid, and, and so many other places all over the world. Every kid's different, but every kid needs their own attention and affection in their own way, and it's up to us as mom and dad to get to know the spirits of our children to do this. Now, do I have any people that are single? Any single folks who don't, single kids who don't, <laughs> raise them high so we can know. <laughs> Who don't have kids yet. That's probably the better way. Single kids who don't have, don't have kids yet. Okay? Now, don't think that this message is not for you. 
Because one day, hopefully, you'll become parents. You need to know this just as much. The next thing that I want to talk about simply is this. is just as much as the kids need our physical needs, they also need our emotional. We need to give them their emotional needs. And I was reading an article, and this article came up with five critical needs for every child. And the first one is respect. To be respected and to see respect between adults. This is so easy to overlook. No, I, no I'm going to continue to, not yet, I'm going to continue to use your example because you're my child. And if I embarrass you, I'm so sorry, baby, but maybe you'll forgive me later. She hasn't nodded yes or no yet, so we'll see. But there are times when I can look at what Noelle's going through and say, you know, I'm going through so much more. She doesn't understand. She needs my mutual respect. Not only that, but our kids need to know that they are valued. I I just want to let us sit on that for a second. That when they see us, that when we spend time with them, that they know that they are valued in this relationship, that they are not treated as second-class citizens. And this is the value of Jesus, y'all. When you look at Jesus in the Gospels, children were treated as second-class citizens. Women were treated as second-class citizens. But Jesus made a new way, and he made sure that children were valued. And if Jesus values children, so should us. Your kids need to know that they have a worth and they have a purpose. And I'm here to tell you that the Gospel brings purpose to our lives. That your kids need to be accepted. What this author said is do not trivialize their problems because they are kids. That they need to be included. That your family is a community. Making sure, you are to make sure to make them feel a part of this community. And also part of the responsibility for decision making. And lastly, security. And the author says this is so critical. And this is the one that is under attack the most today. And parents, we have to fight that our kids feel secure in their homes. And again, that's another one that I want to let sit. This is our responsibility to our children that when they come home, that is a safe place, a place of refuge. So we've talked about the physical needs of your children. We've also talked about the emotional needs of your children. And the last thing, and and the one I feel the most equipped to speak on the most, is the spiritual needs of our children. Now, in the Old Testament, parents were commanded to teach their children this prayer. It was called the Shema prayer. The Shema prayer comes out of Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, and it starts off by saying, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is God. Therefore, love the Lord your God with all your mind, all your strength, all your soul. That we as parents, now here, if you were to lean in here, I need you to lean in. And the reason why I need you to lean in, because I want you to know that your children spend one hour here. And if you're a really good church-going person, you come 19 to 20 times a year. If you come more than that, you get like triple gold stars, okay? But if your child comes here one hour a week out of 168 hours in a given week and you expect the church 
to be responsible for the raising of your children, you are going to be severely mistaken. Parents, it is our, hear me say this, it's not your, it's our responsibility as parents to raise up our kids not to be good kids. It is our responsibility to raise up kids who know a good God. And if we sit here and we think that bringing them to church one hour a week is somehow magically going to teach them to know. Hear my words. Hear my differentiating words. There's a difference between knowing about and knowing a good God. If you bring your kids here one week, they will know about a good God. But they need you they need us. They need a community of people binding together to teach them about and knowing this good God personally. Now, hear me again. I am not saying that you should not bring your kids to church. I am not saying that you should not look to the church as help because I believe that you should look to the church as help. But if you are relying on the church to be the primary disciple makers of your kids, it is like going to Dollar General and thinking about it as a buffet. It just does not work. And the same way that if you look at this as your primary spiritual nourishment throughout the week, you are going to be, you are going to be spiritually starving. I just want you to hear my heart there. And can I tell you why I'm saying this? And I'm going to point out my mom. My mom moved us to Roanoke, North Carolina when I was five years old, and we found a good Baptist church there, and we started attending, and we were literally in a small group meeting, and I heard her say this for the very first time. She said, when I went and moved to Roanoke, North Carolina, we joined a church because I wanted the church to teach my kids about God. I wanted the church to teach my kids how to know God. And she looked back as a parent and thought that I was wrong. Is that fair? that I should be the one. And I feel like the church has done a disservice to you by somehow saying that that's okay. The church is an avenue to help. It is not the full road. So again, parents, we have to be responsible for the needs of our children. We have to be responsible for the spiritual needs, for the emotional needs, and also for the physical needs. Now, maybe you have some questions here. What if I failed... Uh, raising my kids spiritually? What if I failed raising my kids uh, emotionally? What if I failed uh, my kids physically? I'm not there enough. Can I tell you that I have failed this kid more times than I would ever like to uh, imagine? And one thing is magical. When I ask her, will you forgive me? She always says yes. She always says yes. Because at the end of the day, what this child wants more than anything is she wants time with her daddy. And whether your kid's 17 or 1700, all they want from their parents is time, love, affection, and to be accepted. I want to also say one more thing. And that one thing is, I've been a youth pastor and I've been a pastor at another church and I look back at parents and they have trouble parenting kids as they get older. And one of the reasons why is because I feel like one of the worst statements any child could ever say to a parent is this. Why should I stop when you do the same thing? 
And I'm going to tell you what, as a parent, there is no bigger dagger to your heart when your child calls you out. But I want to say this. You're still the parent. Our primary job as parents is not to be friends, but to be parents. And so even when our child says that, you cannot look at them and say, do as I say, not as I do. You have to look at that child and say, you know what? You're right. I'm wrong. And I need to change. And so do you. And then you have to change. You cannot continue to do the same action that you're telling them not to do and then somehow expect them to change just because you said you've changed. If we are going to be hypocrites, guess what? We're raising. We're going to raise hypocrites. This is the last thing that I I want to say. As we get into the scripture, he says this. He says, fathers, don't stir up anger in your children but bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. And I'm going to ask Jordan to come on up. I know it's super quick, but, but it'll take me a few minutes to get to the end. I find it interesting that, that Paul speaks to dads here. I don't find it interesting, but I want to draw attention to it. Because I know and I believe that the relationship between a father and his child is so daggone important. And the reason why the relationship between a father and his child is so daggone important is because the relationship between Father God and his child. And there's a post going around on Facebook. Maybe you've seen it, and I may butcher it just a little bit. But the post says something like this. Religion teaches children when I mess up, I run away. But Christianity or Jesus teaches people that when I screw up, I run to my dad. And I believe that one of the main reasons why the the enemy is attacking fatherhood, attacking the role of the father in relationship is to jack up the relationship between father God and his children. Now hear me. We're about to sing this song as we close. It's called Defender. And And I believe that as a father, like this is one of your biggest roles, whether you're a father today or are going to be a father, that your role as dad is to be the defender, to be the front line of defense for your children, for your family. Can I, can I, can I, can I get an amen there? Like your role is to teach your children about who this God is. And I realize that there's a lot of dads out there that don't know how. And I want to say on behalf of me, and I, I believe that I can speak on behalf of Dan here as dads, that if you need help, like, we'll be there to listen. Because we want to help you to be the, the, the spiritual leader that God has made you to be. And listen, I, I realize that there are some moms in here that have to play dad. That, you know, dad's not around. And because dad's not around, you have to take up that mantle. And I I want to speak over you that that's okay. That God will strengthen you. That God will empower you to be the spiritual leader that you need to be for your family. And I want to close with this. And I want to ask my daughter to come up here real quick. And the reason why I want to close with this is because the last words that I want to say over us today as we get ready to sing this song, Defender, 
is this idea of speaking words of life into your children. This girl right here can grate my nerves. And I'm sure I grate your nerves, right? Sometimes. And I realize that children, anytime, because it's one of the most fulfilling jobs, it's also one of the hardest jobs, it can get hard. Can I get an amen hallelujah right there? But at the same time, guys, we have this incredible opportunity to pour into our children. And I remember I was at a conference with this preacher. His name is Andy Stanley. And some of you guys may, that know, may know that name, but some of you guys may know the name of his father. His name was Charles Stanley. Both of them are preachers. And Andy told this story at this conference, and the story was like this. He said, my dad would come into my room every night that he was able. He would come into my room before I would go to bed, and he would look at me in the eye, and he'd say, Andy... God has an incredible plan for your life. Every night he said that he was able to he'd come into that room and speak these words of life over his son. Andy, I believe that God has an incredible plan for your life. And he challenged all 10,000, 12,000 people in that room to do the same thing. And he told this story, he continued by saying he did this when I was five, he did this when I was two, he did this when I was 15, he did this when I was 17, he did this when I was 18, 19, 20. Every single time they saw me, he wanted to remind me that, Andy, I believe that God has an incredible plan for your life. And he told this story that there was times when he was 12 years old, times that he was 15 years old, times that he was 18 years old, 19, whatever, all those ages that he would look at his dad and he'd say, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, okay. And I remember hearing this story, and then at the end of the story, he said, but then there were those times where life got hard. And I want to go back to that thing that there's 168 hours in this week. And then you multiply that how many weeks and how many years. And I think about all the things that are being, all the ideas that are being planted into our children, whether they're here or not here yet. And I want you to, I want to ask you this question. What are you allowing to be planted into your children? And what will you be responsible for planting into your children? And Andy said this statement. He said there are times that my dad would say this, and I thought he was just dead wrong. But something happened. And he said, I believe that if my dad wouldn't have said that from a very young age, for years and years and years and years, I would not be the man that I am today. And he looked at us and he said, I challenge you to speak words of life. And Noel was like eight months old. She couldn't speak yet. and She'd start to speak and all that stuff like that. But I remember from a very young age, I started planting these things into her life. It's things like God keeps his promises. Because that's the number one thing that I want my little girl to learn. And I, haven't, I didn't tell her what I was doing yet. So I want you guys to think that this is all planned. Because life gets hard. When she's 17 years old and she gets her first college rejection letter, I want the first thing to go through ahead not to be, I'm such a failure, but God keeps his promises. And not only that, but I want to make sure that she knows without a shadow of doubt that God has a plan for me. And guys, I started when she was young. I started when she was eight months old, speaking these words of life over her. 
And I wanted to make sure that she knew that this God's name and that Jesus is God and that I am a leader and that leaders are readers and that God made me special and he loves me very much and that I should always be flexible and that attitude is everything and that I should dream and work hard dream and work hard big dreams dream big dreams and work hard now listen I am not doing this to, to, to pat myself on the back I was challenged by a preacher and I want to challenge you to start now I look at you Sheena you got how are your girl 16 it's not too late it's not too late I look back at you man all the way back that, that young one right there and he's not making too much noise, so don't you worry one bit about it, okay? It's a joy of the Lord. Can I get an amen, hallelujah, to have life in the room? It's not too early to start speaking words of life. Because guess what? The world steals from us. Day in and day out, the world steals from us. And parents, we have a responsibility to give to the needs of our children, to plant seeds of life into them. Now, whether you are, you know, I look at, I look at you, you guys right here not, not having kids yet, but to go ahead and plant that seed now so that when you have children, that you start this. I'm going to plant, I'm going to be responsible for the spiritual needs of my child, for the emotional needs of my child, for the physical needs of my child, because it's my child. Now, does she listen to me every single day, every single time? No. And you know what? That's okay. But man, I know and I believe that God has a plan for her. And I know and I believe that God has a plan for Eden. And I know and I believe that every child that is represented in this room, old children and young children, that God has a plan. You know, Angela, I know you're going through a tough time. And I just want to speak those words of life over you today that God has a plan, that God is not done, that he will get you through this storm in the same way that I teach this, this 10 year old, that he keeps his promises. Guys, I want you to know I love you. I love your children. And my biggest heart, my biggest dream today, don't raise good kids. Don't raise good kids. Raise kids who know about and know a good God. Because guess what? This world is going to steal from us. You can go sit down if you want to. But us as parents, we are defenders. And the reason why we are defenders is because we're teaching our children about the defender. That the same God of Exodus chapter 14 that says, I will go and I will fight ahead of you, before you, and behind you, is the same God that's represented in 2019. Would you guys stand with me? Because I want to pray over you. As moms, as dads, as future moms, as future dads, and just ask the Lord to give you the ability to give to the needs that our children have. Father, help these people. Help all of us to speak words of life <coughs> into our children. And kids, 
Can I, can I just speak to you guys here for a second? You don't have to look at me. I, I've got my eyes closed, but hear me as we pray, especially you older kids. If your parents start trying, don't reject them. Give them the opportunity to speak what they want to speak, but maybe did not know how before. Father, allow us to be the community that you're creating, God. God, give us all the blessings that you have for us. I pray over moms and I I pray over dads and I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would give us this unique ability to love our kids the way that they need to be loved. Pray this in Jesus' name.